Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 159 of the podcast, where I sit down with repeat offender Nathan Clarkson. Nathan was on episode 73 the very first time, and today we're going to talk about his brand new resource, The Way of Kings. I think that if um, if you've got men in your life, whether you're raising them or married to them, or you just know some, you need to hear this conversation. Because one of the questions that's fundamental to who Nathan is, is wrestling with what it means to be a man after God's own heart. What a beautiful question, one that I think we all need to wrestle with. And one that I think uh, Nathan does a really good job of walking us through. So we're going to talk about his new book, The Way of Kings. I know you're going to want to listen to it, uh, the dialogue today. There's so many good nuggets in there. As a reminder, we believe that through intentional conversation and dialogue, we can help you move closer to Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's our goal. That's our prayer for each and every one of you who listens, male or female. So we're thankful for you, we're praying for you, and we're excited to be with you on this community. If today's episode was meaningful for you, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to 100 reviews on iTunes. That's one of our goals for this year. So if you could help us get it, we greatly appreciate it. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Nathan Clarkson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with a friend who's been here before from episode 73, Nathan Clarkson. Nathan, thank you so much, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and it's uh, it's great to be back. It's uh, it's wild to think the amount of time that's gone on since we last talked. When we first talked, you were we were just kind of in the middle or, or really in the beginning part of the pandemic, and you live in New York City. And um, so, how has it been transitioning? Hopefully, it's safe to say out of the pandemic. What's that been like for you in New York? Yeah, it has been. It's funny to think about the time we last talked, which is right at the beginning of all this, and who could have predicted the past couple of years mm. and what a couple of years it's been, uh, especially here in New York City. It's it was a really wild ride. Like I was telling you a second ago before we started recording, you know, there were times, uh, a lot of time when it was like a ghost town here. You know, everyone thinks in New York and people on the streets and yeah. lively, and you'd walk outside and there'd be no one there. It's a very eerie feeling. Um, but luckily, as spring is breaking and this pandemic is coming to an end, um, it's really good to be walking outside and seeing people coming back to life and, and out on the streets. And But it, it was it was pretty rough there for a couple of years, man. So I'm really, really thankful um, that, that it looks like uh, the city is kind of edging out of this uh, really, really difficult time. If you had to choose spring in New York or Christmas in New York? Oh man. Oh, I got to go with just because we're currently in spring. I got to go with spring. Spring is all about new life, yeah. new things happening. Uh, and so I, th I feel like that's what the world needs right now is new life. So I got to go with spring right now, but you know, talk to me when Christmas rolls around. Cause I'm a pretty big softy for that. In Ohio, it could be spring and winter all in the same day uh, because we're just that bipolar <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the other things that uh, you've been working on the last couple of years um, is the Overthinkers podcast. And congratulations, you, you just hit 
100 podcasts. Uh, I was listening to it this week. So excited for you and the journey that's been on. I'm curious, what have you learned um, about yourself, about God, and just kind of in a macro sense, what have you learned after 100 podcasts that is really centered around being an overthinker? Yeah, that's a great question. It, you know, the, the overthinkers are something we started right at the tippy top of the of the pandemic, you know, right when all of us were locked down. And so part of us starting it was an attempt to kind of stay sane and to keep that community and to keep connection with people. You know, I'd here in our teeny little apartment here in New York, I'd have over two of my friends and we do a podcast once a week. And part of that was just to continue having community. You know, mm. everything was shut down here. So it was just to keep on connecting. And it's like, if we have a podcast, we can continue to build our friendship, have these discussions. And me and my friends love discussing big things. We love talking about the big questions of life, about God and faith and philosophy and art and culture and all the all the things we we wonder we wonder about as we lay in bed at night. And we like talking about those. And and we also think that talking about those things is important, that, yeah. you know, discover, yeah, searching for truth is something that God has asked us to do. And so the the lessons I've learned is, one, um, yeah, just that, that, how important it is to get together with people and, and try to find truth together, to uh, expand your mind, to try to figure things out, to look at things from a different perspective, and try to understand the world around you, the world that God has created, and what's going on. And number two just how important uh, having people in your life to challenge you, to communicate, to connect with is. And number three, you know, at 100 podcasts, um, it's been one of, the, one of the most rewarding things I've had, and it took a pandemic to get it started. Yeah. But it's consistency. You know, I, I look back and we started, we had a, a couple listeners, and but it didn't matter. We just, it was more for, because we wanted to do it, and we started, we kept on doing it week after week after week. And here we are two years later, and now we have like, um, it's funny, I, and uh, my friend told me to think in these terms, we have four airplane full of people listening to every episode, and it's just consistency. Mm. And it, it's saying yes over and over and over and over again, and that's how you see growth in your life. And it's not going to be in this one huge bang, but it, you know, if my podcast has taught me anything, staying consistent, keeping um, those weekly rhythms and uh, practices up ultimately is what um, provide you that reward. And so, yeah, those are a few things I've learned and I'm just so blessed to get to be a part of the podcast community among yourself, Tony. So uh, I'm sure you know all these things too. It's, uh, I, I, people always think that a podcast is a great idea until you're about 50 episodes in. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's such a, it's such a grind. I, I'm curious if, do you have any words of wisdom on how to create um, consistency because y you live in a world that is, it's very creative and, um, you know, you and I have talked about before. It's not, you don't have like a traditional nine to five. So your work is kind of like, uh, you could be off filming something, you could be off creating something. And then, oh, by the way, you've got this weekly, uh, sometimes can feel like a, a noose around your neck, uh, a, you know, task. H how do you make space in a busy creative world for a consistent, uh, obligation. One thing that's helped me is, is I do it with two buddies, uh, Joseph and Nathan, and having other people to fill in where you can fail mm. uh, when you're not consistent, having other people to stay consistent with you has been very helpful. So, you know, when I'm, when I drop something, someone's there to pick it up, you know, the, it's kind of the quarter, 
cord of three strands idea found in scripture. So that's been helpful. And then, you know, I wish there was like a a better, like more magical, interesting answer, but really it's just kind of the dedication. It's kind of like, this is important to me. I have friendships through this. Now we have listeners who kind of depend on this. And so it's just making the time, you know, it it is crazy. I never know if I'm going to be on set, if I'm going to be traveling, um, but it's okay. So we're not, we're not able to, to hang out together and do the podcast. Let's get on zoom. We have a free hour here and it's prioritizing what is important to you. And so to me, that was really important. And to us, uh, this was important. And, and we, part of that was cause we had people listening and we, and, and interacting and, and finding something, especially through the pandemic. And so it was saying, this is important. I'm going to find the time to do this, even around all the craziness, we're going to figure out how to do it. And so we do, you know, we all live crazy lives, but somehow or another, we either meet or jump on zoom or whatever it is, but it's at the, at the heart of it, it's because we place it as a priority and place each other as a priority and and the listeners. And so, yeah, I wish I had something deeper, more, you know, cool, like a trick, but it's just prioritizing uh, what matters to you. Yeah. For for me, that's what, what it is. Uh, I, well, I love it. And, uh, Nathan A., who's also your producer, he does an incredible job with the cutaways. You guys are right. You talk I, about it quite a bit in episode 100. If you if you haven't listened to this podcast yet, I suggest you go subscribe. And and you may just want to start with episode 100 because it's just it's it's just really fun. And they they right? talk about why podcasts are so important. It was near and dear to my heart, so I I appreciate it. But he he really does do a great job with the with the production. Oh, he's the best. I love it. it it's our our whole thing is. Yeah, we want to talk about serious things and deep things, but we want to have fun at the same time because I feel like the world is 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 facing two problems. One is no one's smiling anymore. Everyone's mad. And two, everything's shallow. So it's how do we combine having fun while thinking deeply? And, and those cutaways are on point, man. They're too much fun. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I get um, super uh, perplexed by Christians who are angry all the time. I, it just mm-hmm. feels like if you know the joy of the Lord and you know the promises of yes. scripture, like, Hey, maybe we should let our face know or something, right? Like, <laughs> yes. How, how do you, how do you keep fun in your life? I'm curious. Yeah. You know, it, it's a deliberate choice. Mm. Um, I realized that during the pandemic, cause there were times I was feeling depression heavy, man. I was I was going through it. There was times, you know, I'd be reading the news every day. Like every day I wake up, throw my iPhone and just read the news and find by the time I'm drinking my coffee, I'm just angry at the world. I'm angry at this person or this group. And at some point, and it's not about de, you know, uh, disconnecting from the world because we, we, we need to be connected to the world to love it, to help it, you know, to be God's hands and feet there. But there is something to say for, um, Knowing your limits. We're limited humans, right? We we are not God. We don't have the power to control and rule everything. And at some point I had to say, you know what, maybe the best thing for me isn't reading the news Mm. at 8 a.m. in the morning before I even get out of bed. And uh, maybe the best thing for me is to go and, you know, hug my wife and have breakfast and laugh over something. And maybe the best thing right now isn't to argue politics with my friends. Maybe it's to watch a movie and laugh at something. So it became an intentional choice for me. And it's not about disconnecting from the important things. Believe me, all I want to do is talk about the important things and discuss them. But it's an intentional choice to have joy and find the happiness in life. Because at the end of the day, like you said, Tony, 
we are we're Christians. We believe in goodness and happiness yeah. and joy. I mean, joy is a commandment in Scripture. And if we're not smiling, if we're not having fun, if we're not looking um, at the world and life with a smile on our face, then I don't think we're really trusting God. So, um, yeah, for me, it was learning the boundaries of my life, when and how much maybe to engage with uh, things I know have the possibility to upset me, uh, engage with friends who make me happy choose to lean into the places that bring you joy and uh, and ultimately you know i forgot to say this i guess probably the most important is when you have a perspective that is centered on god being in control mm. it allows you to release a few things out of your hands and you can smile again uh, you don't have to worry about and control everything so yeah i, I i'm not as, i don't want it to be a cheap answer but you know trusting that ultimately god is is the one who's running everything and 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 he'll win in the end just that perspective can change how you live right now even if you're going through it yeah and i i think that's i think that's spot on and it it sounds so easy but faith is never that easy so and that's really kind of the impetus of all of that right is like hey we've got to walk in faith for the joy and that you know god is bigger than all the things that we're experiencing at any given time so i i think that i think that's spot on feels it feels right. Um, this this latest book, The Way of Kings, it's it's super exciting, and we're going to jump into it a little bit. Um, but I know that a lot of my audience is, are women, and um, one of them is my wife, for example. Uh, she she is a nice. loyal listener. Hi, babe. Um, and uh, I, I'm, <laughs> so I wanted to ask, um, why should my wife listen to our conversation? about the way of kings oh that's a great question that that's really interesting because we have a um on, on the podcast and even just a lot of the the people who buy my books i have a a heavy audience of women as well and man i i i just respect you know a lot of them are moms i just respect what women do and who they are in the world and they're so needed and the strength they bring i would hope that what they could get out of this is maybe a little of insight into the men in their lives, whether it's husbands or dads or brothers or sons, um, a little insight into how our minds might work into the design that God created us for, and that will help them love us better, encourage us better, and um, hopefully, in even if they want to read a book like this by themselves, um, that they could begin to understand a little more um, the intention and, and beauty and intricacy that God created men with, and that'll help them relate to the men in their lives. Um, you know, it's been interesting. My wife and I got married. We talked about this last time, right before the pandemic. Like yeah. we still haven't been on our honeymoon, and um, which was nuts. And it's been interesting. I've been as I've written this book, and you know, she's my editor for sure. She reads everything before it um, uh, before it goes anywhere because I'm a terrible speller. And, uh, and she, as she's reading it, she would ask questions about, is this how you see things? Or is this what men really Mm. experience and go through? And so for her experiencing the book, it was, um, a great way to step into my shoes, you know, and and that's what God asks us to do is to step into each other's shoes and try to empathize and see life through each other's eyes. And it was, it was an interesting opportunity. She said to step into my shoes of what it's like to experience life as a man today in the world and the fears, the doubts, the hopes um, that men have. And so that's what I hope can happen for women listening is that you might get a little insight 
in, into the perspective that the men you love and are in your life hold and have. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's a great gift to give all, all the all the people in our world, but especially um, the 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 women in our lives, whether mm-hmm. those be even daughters or you know these are. And when I when I look at this book, one of the things I want is I want my daughter to find a husband um, who who lives this kind of life, you know, because yes. I, I I think the way you wrote it is both. Um, uh, like a, a workbook a little bit. And then also uh, almost, you know, it's aspirational, it's challenging. Right. And um, yeah. w- one of the things that I noticed the connection between the, your last book, good man. And then um, this book, the way of Kings is, is this term God's own heart. You, you start the way of Kings with this idea. And that's a, that's a big theme in good man. Um, but I, Tell me about that piece of scripture and and how it it resonates deep inside of you because there's clearly a connection. Yeah, well, you know, the the man after God's own heart is something that's used to describe this character David, who we all know and love in scripture. And David is is really a central figure in the arc of scripture. You know, even Jesus comes through David's line. And so David has always been an interesting guy to me, and he's been a guy who I've connected with deeply. And it's interesting that God calls him a man after his own heart, because you look at David's life, right? And David is not what you expect a quote-unquote good Christian guy to be. I mean, he is full of mistakes and big Mm -hmm. ones. I'm talking violence, sex, everything you can imagine um, that could go wrong, he does. He's not a perfect guy. And But yet, God describes him as a man after his own heart. And we see that David is one of the heroes in Scripture, even in the midst of his grand mistakes. Um, and ultimately, that's because his heart is turned towards God and that his, his feet are chasing God. He, he's pursuing God. And, and even as he stumbles, he continues to get up and chase God. And that's something that was really meaningful to me in my own life, because there have been times I feel, I guess, unqualified or even sometimes disqualified from the, quote, good man or from becoming uh, royalty that God has called us to be. I feel like that's for for other guys. I feel like that's for, um, you know, pastors, for guys who or for moral men who never mess up for, you know, uh, whoever it might be. I think we all have these images in our head of who these, quote, unquote, good men are. And I felt disqualified. A lot, to be honest. And that's where my last book, Good Man, came from and The Way of Kings. And when I looked at David, though, what I saw was an imperfect man who still had that desire because it comes down to desire and the desire to follow God and to, um, even in the midst of his mistakes, live out a life of chasing God and his story that he's written for us. And so that encouraged me. And I wanted to take that on for myself and say, what does it look like to be a man after God's own heart? Well, it's not about being perfect. It's not about having all the answers, obviously, as we see in David's life. It's about the desire to be a man of God. Um, And also there's this this concept of David is, uh, is a king. And one of the things and the ways you can see that he follows God is by ruling in the way that God has asked him to and ruling well uh, the dominion and the domain that God has given him. And I want to take on that understanding from my own life, maybe that God has called us each to be kings in a way of our own lives, our own dominions, our own relationships. And when he asks to follow him, he asks us to rule well the things he's entrusted us. And so 
man, David in this in the verse about being a man after God's own heart really is kind of one of the heart uh, base issues that inspired uh, this and my last book. And and I really want to explore those things. What does it mean? to be a king like David, an, an imperfect one, but to take on that vision of who I see myself as and who God has called me. And what would, it, what would it look like for me to envision myself in that? And how would that change my life, my choices? And so that's kind of where this book came out of and, and why that verse is so important. The very first sentence of the book is that men were created to be kings. And uh, it's funny, I, I read it and I thought to myself, like intellectually, I believe that. I believe that through the promises of scripture. And yet I also found myself much like you um, disqualifying myself almost immediately. Like I, yeah. I even kind of in my head, like I kind of made the joke, well, every King needs a jester, right? Like, you know, maybe I could just be that guy, <laughs> you know, like um, what, do you, what do you do? And I, I love to get kind of practical. I know there's somebody listening right now who's disqualifying themselves from the mm. promises that God makes. What, what do you do to battle back? Um, the voices of disqualification. Oh man, that's that's really good, and it's difficult. This is this is not an easy one. Well, just you know, um, just you know, forget your past is done. Forget right, it, man. Right. No, this is a this is a take the blue pill, Morpheus. Rough, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a lifelong battle. I think for many of us, maybe most of, maybe all of us, is believing that. Um, yeah, but believing this truth about us that we can be kings. And and for me, I guess it, it there's a lot of different things. One is having people around me who, when I fall, pick me back up, mm. is who lift me back up and remind me who I am, remind me that I was created to be a king, remind me that I was designed by God for a purpose. And so they're the people who pick me back up. But also part of having people in your life is the people you know, whether it's a wife or friends or family who actually know um, huge parts of you, who know about your past failures. You know, that that's why it's so important to me to be within communities, especially communities of men with whom I can be honest, with whom I can talk about the big, big mistakes of my life and the, and the places I feel vulnerable. And to have them look at those places and then still come around me, slap me on the back and say, all right, I know about this, what you've been through, what you've struggled with, why you feel disqualified, and yet, let's pick yourself up and go be a king. And just mm -hmm. that that they can see me as that, even while knowing what I've done, who I've been, and the ways I've failed, is really valuable to me. And then, the, I guess another one is a more personal aspect, that's just a connection between me and God, and, and it's it's learning to be inside, inside my mind and my heart, to be honest with God about those feelings, not try to hide them. But I, you know, it, it's, I've learned the practice of, of telling God, listen, I don't feel like you love me. Mm. I don't feel like um, I'm qualified to be this thing that you say I am. And I know, like you said, I know it mentally, I know it cognitively, but I don't feel that. And it's having that, you know, to use an overused phrase, that open dialogue with God, where you're not trying to just come, come at him, look spiritual, but you have this very, you know, in the, in, in the, in the, um, uh, in the hidden room, in the hidden space, where you go and you have this really honest dialogue with God and you tell him, um, and you go over your mistakes and you go over the things that make you feel disqualified, but you also tell him, I don't feel this. And I think just that, that connection that you make to God when you're speaking to your creator and speaking honestly, 
um, is part of the restoration you'll begin to experience. Um, but only when you actually get real honest about yourself, your feelings, your past, who you are and who you want to be um, in front of your creator and with your creator, can you start feeling that that redemption arc in your life. Hey, everybody, just pausing this conversation with Nathan to remind you that the Reclamation Podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network, uh, a network of like-minded podcasts and creators that want to help the local church and help you grow closer to Jesus. For more information and to get connected to Spirit and Truth, check out our website, spiritandtruth.life. Also, one of the ways that you can support this podcast is become by becoming a donor to Spirit and Truth. We're funded through Spirit and Truth and its ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. So go to spiritandtruth.life slash give and consider becoming a monthly supporter today. Now, let's finish up my conversation with Nathan. Yeah, I, I think... I, I think it has to be like a head and heart kind of movement there. And, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it also, you know, requires a bit of action. Uh, the, the way that you put this book together, I think does a good job of hitting all three. You get something for the head, something for the heart and, and something for the feet as they, as they sometimes say, um, yeah. T- talk to us a little bit about how the, how the format of each, cause it, the chapters are designed to be consumed, uh, separately or together in this, in this writing, like you can put them all together or you can like do one, um, you know, and whatever, you know, whatever, once a week or once a day, whatever. Um, how did you decide on the format of the book? And then the follow-up question to that, which I'm really curious about is, um, there's a really fun part of every section called the King tip. How did you decide what tips to put in the book? (laughs) That's a great question. Well, so so just a quick overview of the format, it's 40 quote letters, you know, 40 letters essentially. And where my last book was kind of memoir and it had stories um, about me and, and life, uh, this is, I wanted to be practical. I wanted, you know, sometimes um, as much as I love writing those very personal stories about myself and, and exploring knowledge that way, for this, I wanted to get down and dirty and just go straight to the practical um Th- wisdom that we can use in our lives. I also know that I'm a, I'm a person with ADHD. I have a hard time sitting and reading for like two hours. Listen, my academic friends are amazing and I love you, but I'm also in awe of you because I can, that the 15 minute mark, I'm going, oh boy, my foot is tapping. I got to go do something. So I know there's a lot of guys out there like me who, and even aside from that, whether you have a short attention span, we're busy right? We got lives, we got families, we have jobs who are demanding of us. And as much as we'd like to sit down and read for two hours, that's just not even realistic. And so I wanted to write something that um, guys who are going to school or a job or have responsibilities could sit down for 10 minutes and ingest the whole chapter, the whole idea. Um, they could get a, a nugget of wisdom about something relevant to their life um, and, and take it quickly within, you know, just a few minutes. So it's 40 short chapters, but all of them are practical. All of them have to do with something that we all experience in this world. And it take, you can take that thought into your day. And, and part of it, you know, the way of kings is, you know, in the, in the old days, the kings, when he would be leaving his, his throne, he would write letters to the incoming king, his son. Um, and they would be letters about particular subjects 
as he would pass on his wisdom of a king. And so I wrote this to myself, kind of like taking from scripture and writing letters to myself mm. about the wisdom I needed to remember each day in my life. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do with this. And, you know, after the letter, you have obviously a scripture reading, you have some questions. And, uh, and then like you pointed, we, there's a king tip, which are kind of the man tips at the end of each one. And this, this is everything from recipes to workout plans to how to ask a girl out to style tips. And this is, to be honest, this was like the most fun uh, <laughs> part writing the book. Um, it was, it was fun because I looked back, you know, in, in my, me and my friends' lives, we all try to help each other, right? Yeah, give sure. each other tips. And, you know, like when you get with guys, oh, I think she likes me, man. Should I ask her out? Those kind of things. And so I wanted to, you know, kind of provide that. Uh, let's all get together and share these things, these, these life hacks that have helped our lives and stuff. And so I had a blast writing those. And I hope that maybe uh, just those little fun king tips, those man tips, might be prove beneficial in your life, but those are so much fun to write. And they came out of many, many conversations and years of learning little tips and failures, by the way. Uh, so those are, those are so much fun to write. And I hope that guys enjoy those. Um, just as a side note, was there one that was your favorite? Was it one that was like, Oh, this was, um, this was really cool to learn or something that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Or, I mean, it's all pretty, I mean, so this, none of this stuff yeah. is like revolutionary in the sense, like they're all like everyday tips and so there were some things I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But I kind of forget about that sometimes. But anything like that really struck out to you as you stuck out to you as you wrote it? Yeah, th there is a couple, you know, like um, one was uh, uh, interestingly enough, and this isn't like the cool manly one. It was how to begin meditation and the value of it and like what that looks like. And that was a good reminder for me because during the pandemic, I was, you know, a lot of times I was just going nuts. I was going crazy, locked up in my little apartment. And I remembered how important sitting still in the presence of God was. And so part of me writing, like, how do we meditate well? Um, how do we sit still? How do we it just exist in the presence of God? Um, and here's kind of a, a, a guide to help you do that. That was for me because I needed to remember that in my own life. And then, of course, you know, I like I love the book lists, anything with books where I can go through all my favorite, you know, fantasy novels yeah, yeah. Um, are always fun. And uh, yeah, the workout ones were painful, man, because I definitely didn't work out as much as I should have during the uh, <laughs> during the. But there's also a good recipe in there, um, which is what was originally called quarantine stew that me and my wife invented during during the the pandemic when we didn't have anything in the house and we just made this stew with what you know the few cans we had and it turned yeah. out really good so check out the quarantine stew recipe i'm pretty proud of that <laughs> what what um what did you learn about kings um that maybe you didn't know before you wrote the book because there is the the theme of kings is is woven pretty deep from their armor to all of the different parts of um, you know what it means to be an ancient king what was kind of what were some of your big takeaways? I mean, obviously the letters were a huge part, and and um, you know, as I read that, I thought, man, something I should think about for my sons. But I'm curious, what uh, what did you learn about kings that you didn't know before? Yeah, I think a lot of it was a lot of the stuff we knew right about kings and 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 different facts and stuff. But diving into these things we knew and seeing how they played out was really interesting to me. Like, like when you when you look at we we all know that kings have counselors, but when you look at how integral mm. the counselors in the life of the king were and how they shaped what the king thought and what he did, and then you know another one that was super interesting to me was 
um, as I, you know, as, as looking into King's researching King's, it's amazing. While it maybe looks different, and there there are differences, obviously, it's interesting to see that within almost every culture throughout history around the globe, we had this concept of king, someone who was either a good king or a bad king, who ruled over, who helped, who provided. And so it's interesting to see this concept of king pop up in every culture around the globe throughout history. And then you see God come in, he steps into history and says, I am the king of kings. And so he's saying that through the entire world. And again, it's interesting to see how humans, without even maybe perhaps having a knowledge of God, still modeled uh, they they took the 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 image of what what should be right. So we think of God as a provider, a lover, someone who protects us, who watches out for us, who um, you know is a good king. And it's interesting to see how every culture emulated that, whether they knew God or not. It's kind of this intrinsic thing that we know we need and want in our societies and our lives. And so while God is the King of Kings, He has asked us to be. Um, kings under him and to rule well what's in our life. So it's just interesting to see that that congruency that around throughout history and around the world, we've all had this idea of king so that when God did step in, Sam, the king of kings, people got it. They knew because this is something every culture had experienced and knew well and understood. Uh, so you know, I'm in a season of life where I have two young men in my house, uh, Connor and Caleb. Connor is 16 and Caleb is 12. And so we're, we're kind of hitting this kind of, uh, maybe even with the 16-year-old, we may have already missed the peak window. But but uh, as I look at this, one of the questions I had is, if, if you had any insights on how you would raise uh, a future king? Mm. Well, the first one, and, and this is coming from a guy who doesn't have kids yet, so I'm going to have a lot of strong opinions on how to raise kids <laughs> not having kids. We're here for all of them. We're here for all of them. That's right. Well, you're going to have even better insight than me. But, you know, the the one that comes to mind is um, the one that, you know, I experienced in my family and is to raise future kings. You need to be giving them a vision of a current king. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean, you know, if, if you are a dad. And I, and I, and please let me know if I'm wrong. I, I want you to speak to this because you know, and I, and I don't yet, but I saw my own dad, but if you're a dad and you have kids and you have, and you have boys and you want them to grow up with honor and respect and goodness and love and gentleness and strength, those are all the things that you need to be displaying every single day to them, to their mom, to their sisters, to the, their coworkers, to the people around them. Um, if, if you want them to have an aspect, um, of manliness in your life, a, 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 a character that is something you have to display because uh, all the psychology I've read, interestingly enough, says that pretty much kids learn to emulate everything that their parents do. Yeah. And that can be for good and bad. So basically all your bad habits are going to be picked up by your kids and all your good ones too. <laughs> and so the first, and, but I say this to people who aren't. To aren't, who aren't dads as well, even who aren't necessarily raising kings, if you want to see uh, people around you become stronger, better, more holistic, uh, holistically good and whole godly people, that's something you need to take on. Because I promise you, it might not be your sons, but you have you have people around you, you have coworkers, someone's looking at you, and, um, and how you act will change the world around you, both in the context of a family 
or in the context of a church or a workplace or a friendship, how we act and how we live our lives um, is going to affect the people around us. And that, that will be mimicked by the people around us. Um, so yeah, I'd say the first step of raising good Kings is to learn to be a King, a good King yourself. Yeah, I think that feels right. I, I was thinking my initial reaction was intentional time, you know, and, and mm. you know, like uh, letting letting that young, younger, you know, young man have access. You know, I think that that's yes, one of the, that too. that's, that's probably, and that feels right on, you know, like they can't see your life if you don't let them close enough to see. So it feels very connected mm, yeah. i think so I, I think that's that's spot on and um I, I look look forward to if if god calls you to have a family that um watching you raise future kings i think that would be fun uh especially with all the work that you've I done love that in this field so um oh man it's too much pressure now way too much pressure <laughs> I've heard a good man in the way of kings <laughs> i don't know if i can live up to that <laughs> uh one of the one of the last sections of the book, you you wrote a sentence that really stuck out to me, um, and I'm going to read part of it. It says, "Most want to be part of a great narrative, but not all are willing to do what it takes to live a life worth value." Um, and those those words really rung true to me, and I I began to think about some of our community uh, because I I feel a sense. The, the people who listen to our podcast and are part of these conversations, they want something more. And so if, if you were going to give them um, a first step, the first step of um, living into a great narrative, um, what, what would it be? The first step, I guess for me, as I think of, of what the journey I took into, into seeing that is one, you know, I, this sounds cliche, but you have to connect with your creator, the author, the director of this, of this narrative. Um, and the way to connect to him is through prayer and reading his word. He wrote his wisdom. He came here, he, he incarnated and, um, we have access to him. We have access to God, which is crazy when you think right. about it, but yeah, we yeah. do. And so the way to begin understanding yourself in a narrative is, is to get to know the narrative writer, the one who created you. And, and to understand yourself as a character in this narrative, you need to know who you were created to be. You need to know the story you created to tell. So we, you have to begin that connection with God. And, I, and you know, that's not popular to say, you know, people want, but it, it is. It's just the most and first necessary thing is you have to start valuing your relationship with God. And that's reading scripture, which will give you an understanding of the values God's had and, and the story he's telling for the world. And it'll also give you an understanding for who you are and who you were created to be. And then it's having that connection um, and relationship with your creator every single day that will continue to guide your choices and guide your decisions on this narrative journey. And ultimately, I think that's the first place, and it might be the last place too. I think that might be the whole shebang. But it, it's when you do that, you start capturing this vision, right? Mm. I think a lot of men right now are just living with kind of, oh, it's just random. I can do what I want, whatever. It's nothing means anything. You know, nihilism is kind of the religion of the day. Nothing means anything, right? Yeah. At least for a lot of men. And when you capture the vision that your choices, that your life is eternally important. 
I think all of a sudden it puts everything in perspective and context in which everything you do matters. And so when you connect with your creator, you are given this context and this perspective of who you are, the story you're in, and suddenly your decisions, your choices, and your life matters. And so capturing that vision for yourself um, in a story as a character that God has designed you to be well, I think ultimately change your life for the better. And it, it I would say it definitely has for mine. Um, but yeah, the first place to start is if you want to know um, what character you're playing and what story is being told, get to know the creator, artist, and writer and creator of you of all. That's beautiful. Uh, okay. I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, uh, I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to um, to see what God's doing in you and through you and, and to get connected with um, all the resources that you have to offer? Yeah, you can, you can visit my website, nathanclarkson.me. Um, you can find out more about me, all the stuff I'm kind of up to. You can also find me on any of the socials. Um, I'm not great at social media, but I do check it and I love getting, uh, you can see some updates from my life. So just search my name, Nathan Clarkson on Instagram, Facebook, any of those. Um, and you can also check me out on my podcast with my friends talking about deep things while having fun called the overthinkers. And that's, those are the places that you can find me. And I'd love to hear from you. I always love connecting with like-minded people. If you love his podcast like I do, you may also want to check out the Facebook group, the Overthinkers Facebook group, which is a fun group of yes. uh, deep thinkers. It's full of memes, and um, you know, it's it's a it's a really I don't know, it's just a it's a really interesting curated group of people who are uh, just the the right amount of nerd and faith, and I just love it. I just really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much fun. You know, somehow we have gathered this really diverse audience. We have Christians and unbelievers yeah. left and right, but we all kind of gather around. Let's think deeply about things and have fun. And, and we try to keep, make sure that everyone is, keeps an upbeat spirit towards each other. It's so much fun. We'd love to have anyone join. That'd be a lot of fun to have you. Uh, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, um, except I get to take you back to a, a specific time. And, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about this question as it pertains to you. And, and I think since I've known you and the, really the beginning of the pandemic, um, your life has drastically shifted, you know, in the sense of, of marriage and you've cranked out a couple books and you've been in a couple films. And, uh, and even though it's not that long ago, if you could pull up in front of Nathan um, the day after um, the world shut down, so it was, mm -hmm. well, was that March 13th or depending on where you were somewhere around there, if you could look that younger version of yourself in the eyes and give him one piece of advice for the journey he's about to go on, um, what are you telling him? Oh man, it's, it's, I thought I was going to have to think about it, but I immediately know. And it's interesting I think of all the times in scripture when someone showed someone out of the blue showed up to someone in a weird way, angels, mm -hmm. God, and the thing they always say, and that was, that was a little cheesy, right? Um, is peace be with you. Mm. And, um, but there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the whole reason I'm, God has his reasons, but as I look about the last few years I experienced, man, they've been, they've been rough. They've been hard. And I think that's been the experience for a lot of people. 
And I think that part of what made them rough was me believing I could control things. I could, I could change things. I could fix things. I could do things. And it was taking on a responsibility of God's for myself, mm. you know, cause I do think we're called to be Kings, but ultimately he's the King of Kings. Yeah. And there, and what I would have said to, to young two years ago, Nathan is peace be with you. Let peace rule your life. Yes. Mm. Do the things you're meant to. Yes. You know, chase and, and do and accomplish and all those things. But ultimately at the heart of it is God loves you. He's in control. Peace be with you. So that's what I would say to me. And that's what I think I needed. And I still need to be saying that to myself every day. Nathan, peace be with you. And, and allowing God to say that to me and listening to him when he says it and taking it seriously. Because I'm not a person who is naturally oriented towards peace. I want to do, I mean, you know, that, that Peter, that David who want to do, I want to go out and yeah. figure it out and fix. And sometimes I need to say, let God tell me, Nathan, peace be with you. Rest. I'm, I got this, you know? So that, that is definitely the first thing I know. That's what I'd say to Nathan. Amen. That's a, probably a good word for all of us. Nathan, thank you so much for this resource. Thank you for um, the connection over the years. And and thank you for your generosity of time today. I l- always enjoy talking to you. Tony, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, guys, that was a great conversation with him. I also recommend that you go back and check out episode 73. As a reminder, leave a rating or review on podcast or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify All the reviews go a long way. I'm so thankful to have each and every one of you in our community. I'm thankful to be on this journey with you. Don't forget, brand new episode coming out this Friday. We're doing twice a week over the summer from May, at least until the end of July. Love to get your feedback on that. As always, the best way to reach me is on Instagram or Twitter at TWMilt. Or uh, check out our webpage, reclamationpodcast.com. Remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.